Well, if I've not met you before, my name's Jacinda. I'm one of the pastors here at Coast Vineyard. And uh, it is my, uh, I've actually not preached for like a couple of months. I know. I, thank you so much for not uh, making a deal out of that. I had study to do and things to finish off with a program I've been doing the last two years. And I'm finally done. The last lot of papers were sent off last weekend. So I was like, yoo-hoo-hoo, freedom. It's like that countdown at this time of the year, isn't it? It's just like every event, every target we have to hit, it's just like tick, moving on to the next thing. Anyone else feeling like that at the moment? It's, uh, it's a really exciting time of the year, this time of the year. I remember when I was a kid, I just, I don't remember there being any stress. Like, it was just all fun, wasn't it? Like, just one fun thing after another. It was just exciting. Like, you'd be counting the sleeps until Santa came, and then we'd have church. I grew up in the Anglican church, so then we'd go to church first thing in the morning. We were not allowed any presents until after church. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't good at waiting. Uh, but it was just all about the fun. It was all about the excitement. I had no idea. This whole adulting thing changes everything, doesn't it? And, uh, and then, you know, we get married, we have kids, and we were some of those people, I know that not all of you are like this, but we were those people who left all of the wrapping of the Christmas presents until Christmas Eve. And of course, you couldn't start until the kids had gone to bed, and that got later and later. And then we'd not finish wrapping the jolly presents till after midnight, hoping the kids would sleep in the next morning. Yeah, exactly. That's not going to happen. And then you'd sort of stagger into Christmas Day, you know. But um, it's, it's a busy time. Is it, how, how are we doing? Is everyone doing all right? Yeah, just ticking through those lists. Oh, we've got thumbs up and everything. It's, it's actually a really precious time. I was saying to Matt the other day, I actually love this time of the year. Even though it's full, we are in the Advent season. Within the church calendar, there's this season of the, the Sundays leading up to Christmas called Advent Sundays. And in that time, we kind of lean into some core themes of our faith and of our relationship with God. And they are hope, peace, joy, and love. And then we have Christmas. And it's, um, it's the kind of thing that, you know, we might think about through the year, but, but kind of not really, really lean into those things. Whereas this gives us an opportunity to really focus on some of these you know, elements that are so precious to us. Matt spoke about peace two weeks ago, and then uh, we had a guest speaker last week, Jason, who spoke about um, why church matters. And, uh, and today we're going to talk about the whole thing of hope. You know, as I was considering what to speak about, I had a couple of thoughts, but then in the light of our week, hope seemed a pretty important thing. And, and it is part of our Advent rhythm anyway. And it was one of the things I'd been thinking about, but just as our week has unfolded and all of the events that have happened down in Whakatane, it's been a tough week. We need hope. All of us need hope. Paul, who was uh, one of the apostles, he wrote a whole bunch of letters in the New Testament of our Bible, and he wrote a letter to the Corinthian church, and in it he said this. He's, he did this whole statement about love, which is just unsurpassed in terms of a description of what love is. And he finishes it with this. And now these things remain or endure, it's translated in other translations, faith, hope, and love. And of the greatest of these is love. Hope endures. These are the kinds of things that we can sort of make bedrock in our lives, that we can come back to over and over again, because the reality is we need hope. People have always needed hope. 
If we think about our context, we live in a world of natural disasters and of accidents, of broken people and of broken relationships, of war, malnutrition, climate change. We're in a world where those who are willing to hurt innocent people to move their agenda forward. We're in a world where we no longer feel like we can trust our politicians or our leaders or our governments and we really don't know who to believe anymore because we've discovered that the media even is no longer unbiased. We need hope. You know, we wrestle personally with loss and grief, mental health challenges, other health challenges, relationship breakdowns, anxiety, stress, strained finances, uncertain futures, and the challenges that I know many of you face in terms of immigrating to a new country and creating whole new lives while you still have to grieve the ones you've left behind. We need hope. We've always needed hope. We will always need hope. And it's going to be that way until Jesus returns again. Feeling good? Sobering start, eh? You came to church this morning thinking, awesome, it's Christmas. It's going to be this lovely, you know, light-hearted message. And I go there. But we almost have to just pause for a moment. The thing I love about our faith, the thing I love about Scripture is that it's honest. It's real. We don't have to pretend like we're, you know, floating on clouds all the time. It's not all tinsel and fairy lights, is it? We can be real. We can have a sobering look at our reality, at some of the things that we face, and then at the same time hold hope, lean into hope. And it's been that way throughout human history, and we're going to continue to have to live out the tension of that. This time of year can be really hard. It is a time that's exciting, for sure, but it can be really hard as well. I know a number of you have lost loved ones this year. This is a time when we miss the people that aren't in our lives anymore. It's a time where we can feel lonely and disconnected. It can be a time when we feel really under pressure financially because we're trying to, you know, eat all the things and buy all the things and do all the things that we're supposed to do for Christmas. And the wonderful thing about hope is it's not a flimsy thing. It's got guts. It is persistent. It's not just a nice idea. This is something that we can depend on. Hope endures. It's stubborn, but like people. And we're going to talk today about a hope that can withstand anything that comes up in our lives that will endure. Why don't we pray? So, Lord, we thank you that you can give us the gift of hope. And, Lord, in the context of the week that we have and the season that we're in, all of the things that are going on in our lives, Lord, wherever our hope may have been dampened, where our hope may have leaked out or just been squished under the weight of life, I pray now, Lord, that you would come. Lord, that you're already here. You're already here, and I pray, Lord, that you would just give us the gift of your presence again. Restore our hope. Anchor us again in the hope that comes from you. And even as we sit here today, Lord, I pray that you'd just fill us up again by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. If we read that verse that I just read a little while ago <clears throat> in a different translation in the Message Bible, I, I love the way it puts this. We don't yet see things clearly, 
We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist, but it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then, see it all as clearly as God sees it, or sees us, knowing him directly just as he knows us. But for right now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us toward that consummation. Trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, love extravagantly, and the best of these three is love. Hope unswervingly. That's easier said than done, eh? Like just unswervingly, just hold the line. Because our circumstances change. We, we discover the more we do life, we cannot put our hope in our circumstances, can we? Because they're just, they, they're just way out of our control. And life happens. Even they, it turns out life has no consideration at all for our best laid plans. I was just talking to someone who's just moved back here, and she's like, it's been an amazing time away. She's been away for a year or 18 months. And, uh, and you know, kind of when we do kind of anything, we think God's giving us um, the, the thumbs up to go do. We often kind of have this idealized vision of how this is all going to go, and then reality t- often turns out not to be that. But it can still be good. It just isn't within our control. Things happen. It's certainly not, we can't put our hope in our ability and strength. Um, I remember when we became parents, well, even when we were pregnant, I discovered I have zero control over what happens to this baby. And yet everything in you wants to do everything you can to protect that life. And it doesn't ever go away. My kids are much bigger now and it's still there. But it was this kind of wake up call to my limits. We all have them. We all have limits. We kind of live in this world that gives us this illusion of control. <laughs> oh, man, did I ever get sucked into that one? This illusion of control. But we can't control diddly squat, really, when it comes down to it. Certainly not the really big things that really matter. So I cannot have hope in my own strength or in my own ability or my own experience and wisdom. And we've discovered to our dismay that we cannot put our hope in our leaders and our governments, and our politicians, because they are just as broken and frail as we are. They have their own limitations. So where does our hope lie? How do we have this unswerving, enduring hope? It lies in a person. Let's have a look at Psalm 121, verses 1 to 2. This is a really famous psalm and worth reading the whole thing. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. That is where our hope lies. Our hope, my hope, is in God, the maker of heaven and earth. Nothing is impossible for him. Nothing surprises him. All of those things that catch me a little bit left field doesn't surprise him. And he knows how to get me through those things. He knows how to get all of us through whatever challenge we face, whatever unexpected circumstance we face. He has got us. That is where our hope lies. Eugene Peterson, who was a pastor and wrote a number of really amazing books, he wrote this book a number of years ago, and uh, it's called the Long Obe- A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. If you're looking for a good read over the summer on following Jesus, this is a good one. And in it, he says this, the Christian life is going to God. Oh, no, I'm going to jump back. 
The promise of the psalm, Psalm 121, and both Hebrews and Christians have always read it this way, is not that we will never stub our toes, but that no injury, no illness, no accident, no distress will ever have evil power over us. That is, it will never be able to separate us from God's purposes in us. No literature is more realistic and honest in facing the harsh facts of life than the Bible. At no time is there the faintest suggestion that the life of faith exempts us from difficulties. What it promises is preservation from all of the evil in them. He goes on, the Christian life is going to God. And in going to God, Christians travel the same ground that everyone else walks on. We breathe the same air, drink the same water, shop in the same stores, read the same newspapers. Our citizens under the same governments pay the same prices for groceries and gasoline. We fear the same dangers, are subject to the same pressures, get the same distresses, and are buried under the same ground. The difference is that each step we take Each step we walk, each breath we breathe, we know that we are preserved by God. We know we are accompanied by God. We know that we are ruled by God. And therefore, no matter what doubts we endure or what accidents we experience, the Lord will guard us from every evil. He guards our very life. This then is our hope. Regardless of what we're facing, this is where our hope lies. Not a God that's distant and removed and uninterested in us, but a God who is near, a God who is involved, a God who accompanies us. And that is what Advent is all about. We are moving towards this moment of celebration, of remembering, of reflecting on the fact that Jesus came near. Jesus is with us. Well, I thought that was quite good news. You're all very quiet. This is like really good. Yeah, it is awesome. Jesus is with us. That means we have hope not just for the future, but for now in the person of Jesus. And he shows us more and more of who God is. God who isn't distant. Jesus who is engaged. He is interested in us. He knows us by name. He sees each one of us. He knows what is going on in our lives and he is near Yeah, I thought of woohoo, yeah. But here's the thing, hope can coexist with despair. You know how sometimes we feel like we just got to get it all together and then, you know, I'll I'll be stepping into all those good, godly, Christian-y things that I read about in that book that other people seem to have. Hope can coexist with heartache. I know that to be true in my own life. I know that to be true from the stories that I've heard of yours. Peace is the same thing. Peace in the midst of our despair, of our grief. That is the upside-down nature of the way God works. Somehow, he redeems all of that. Hope can look like a candle in the dark. Any minute now. Yep, there it is. They coexist. In fact, the darker the night, the brighter the light. Hope endures. Hope is stubborn. Hope has substance. It is something that we can lean into. The other thing about hope is it's active. It's not this passive thing where you sort of go, I won't sit down, it's too far. 
but where you sort of just lean back and go, well, I hope things will be better. Because hope is all about change. Hope is wanting things to be different from how they are. Okay? So it's just like we just, you know, it's not just sitting back and going, well, I hope things change. What hope does is it activates us. We choose it. We actually have to choose hope. Like we have to actively pursue this thing. You know, in, in another psalm, Psalm 42, I love it. This is another one of those moments where uh, scripture gets really real, you know. Uh, the psalmist is pouring out their woes to God about how, lo- how just lousy life is right now. And then he finishes, or actually partway through, and then finishes at the end by reminding themselves. Like they're talking to themselves and they say, put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. Like they're choosing. They're like in the middle of, life is tough. This is so unfair. But put your hope in God. Just choose. We actually have to like, you know, decide. And not just kind of hope that hope will happen. We choose to trust. And hope will spring from that. Because hope is stubborn. I love that. There's this beautiful little poem by Emily Dickinson, and she, this is a, one part of it. And she says, Hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. There are times when we are going through stuff when we probably aren't able to put some things into words. But I love the fact that hope has this hum this resonant hum that sits constant, steady, holding us persistently, never stopping at all, regardless of what we're up against. We have hope. Hope that we choose. Hope that we cultivate. You know, the thing with feathers, I don't know, it sounds kind of like something you need to nurture, and protect. But it's stubborn at the same time. I love it. Hebrews 6 verse 19 says this, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It reminds me of, um, I'm not much of a boatie, but I have been to the beach, and uh, funny that, uh, and I've noticed that they have boys you know, that kind of mark where you can take your boat and all that kind of thing. I'm sure there's rules that you all understand, but I don't. But apparently boys are part of it. Yep. And uh, they are firmly anchored to the seabed, from what I know. Really strong chains that somehow they make stay in one place. And it sort of doesn't matter what happens on the surface or even in the middle. Weather can change. There can be storms. There can be sun. There can be wind. There can be tides coming and going and all of the movement that happens. And they stay firmly anchored. They move. Do you like that? You want to join me, don't you? You know, like there's flex in it. There's movement that happens. But they are anchored. They're not going anywhere. That's kind of what I think hope can be for us. It's this place of just being firmly anchored in the person of Jesus. Knowing him more and more and more helps us to trust him more. Hope becomes more secure. 
And that becomes a really stable place to live life from. That's that hope that endures. It's that hope that is unwavering. It will move, but it doesn't go anywhere. It's not leaving. You know, a couple of um, articles that I was reading as I was looking at hope, because I'm like, okay, well, if hope is so important, like, why is it, like, why is it so important? What does it do? And I was reading a couple of articles in, like, psychology magazines and, you know, things like that online, as you do. And uh, a couple of studies that I came across, there was one uh, that was set in, uh, I can't remember which city it was in the States, but it was in a city amongst really uh, poor parts of that city. And they took groups of kids that had been born into poverty and they looked at, it was a long-term study, to see how they did in life and what what was the thing that made the difference about whether they did well or not when they came from the same starting place? One of the key ingredients was hope. That made a difference in terms of their whole trajectory of life. Another study that I read by um, a guy that wrote in in Psychology Today, and, uh, and it was hope and the difference it makes. They had big hurricanes that had happened in the States, and, and he was looking at how people sort of got stuck as victims and those who were able to, to package and dispense hope. I would have a pill more pally thing than any antidepressant. As long as a patient, individual or victim has hope, hope. However, if they lose hope, unless you can, they can recover from anything if they have hope, if an emotion that springs from the heart, not the brain, it lies dormant until its amazing strength will endure anything and everything that comes your way. God, we have Jesus with us. That is a place for us to be able. He went to go for that, even if we're against that a key in giving you hope is if get it. Or if it's got left back there a little bit, we can bring it back and part of something bigger than just yourself. I think church helps. We're grateful for what we have. We're not fixated on what we've lost or what we don't have. And, you know, and love. Here at Coast, about being connected and loved on God and to one another. These three ingredients, don't we? And as church, I think this is one of gathering together. I love listening to Jason because we can give it away to those when we're running low to help because he realized that if hope was such a huge key and lost it. Well, we can do that for each other. We can make gratitude, and we can continue to grow in love with one another. We lean in. So, but there's a couple of things that strike was wish as being quite helpful for us. I was standing there. I mean, I had like a front row view at one point. There was this worship team, and so she wanted a front row seat. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, makes you times of the stuff we've just lost sight of. You know, the word who God is and who we are in relationship to him. And that it fills me with love. And even though I can worship and we live in, and I chuck on, you know, this noise, and I just turn on worship, crank it up. Kate, my youngest, crank it up. Just go for it. There's, there may be dancing, which is, but um, but refocuses. Worship is us of who God is. And that this is the, this is the one. This that is great at this time of the year is to just normally reflect back. I've talked to you before, and you re- re- go back over your day, and you um, notice the movement of God, to notice where God is. In our day to day, yeah. And I, I had the opportunity of doing that just a couple of weeks, Wellington, and we, um, as part of the, we did, we sat and we took it in it and did our own thing, and about what had happened. 
looking for, but we find him in the midst of the really tough waters as well. With me, even when I was going through something really hard, fuels my hope is that it's good for us, but it's something we can give away. Uh, um, a bio thing on a young woman called Aroha Andrew, who was a burn survivor. Did anyone see? Was confronting and inspiring all at the same time. She was 21 when she spent a year at Middlemore Hospital before being released to head Papand down south uh, to continue. Island, is uh, they interviewed her again about what she would say. Know if she is a person of faith, but this is what she said: all these emotions you're going through this right now, but. At the end, and Peter, you will come out of it. A title of that article was Aroha's message of, of hope. Awful situation that there's hope. And that's the thing that I'm constantly amazed by is that God can take some of them into something battles, the things that we've found others with. And we get to lend hope. Quite like talking to someone who has been through what you're in the middle of and they're through them as they have worked life through this stuff. It feels like they've lost sight of the way out. Elizabeth, people we have known as a psychologist feet, no one suffering, no one appreciating, no one loss, and have found understanding of life that fills them with compassion, gentleness. Beautiful people choose hope.